Welcome back. Sports Radio 94 WIP. Joe Giglio with you. Tucker Bagley's behind the glass. You guys with us. 215-592-9494 on this Thursday night. That's how you hop in. I'm not worried about the Eagles. I said it's a lot of worry out there with this team. We've had people calling today thinking they're losing to the Giants, getting knocked out in the first round, losing to the Cowboys. I... This team is 13-1 and when Jalen Hurts plays, and they're getting Jalen Hurts back. And I do believe it's going to be the Sunday against the, the New York Giants. And it doesn't mean that they're invincible or it's, it's, the, it's a perfect team, but the, the feeling we have right now, that's not this, this team. It's this team right now. But you look at them over the course of the full season, 13-3. and Like, how many Eagles teams have gone 13-3? and Not many. We're talking about still, I mean, a couple weeks ago we had the discussion, is this one of the best Eagles teams ever you know could they become the best Eagles teams ever and now after a couple losses without Jalen Hurts you know panic has set in and I'm not feeling it especially with a home game they're 14 point favorites and the Giants probably aren't going to play anybody Hurts coming back the Eagles are going to win this game number one seed and we have a lot to look forward to here I'm not worried especially with a team that's been this good for this long stood up to the challenges they faced all year getting guys back from injury hopefully as we get closer to the playoffs and let's not forget, like, as much as we talk about the offense and the quarterback position, they have 68 sacks. You know, this is, by, by statistically, one of the great pass rushes in NFL history. You know, we, we can't just ignore them when we talk about their chances to beat the Vikings or the, or the 49ers or the playoffs. 68 sacks. Every week over the past month, they're, at, they're getting five, six sacks a game. You do that, if you protect the football and offense, you're going to be in great shape. 215 592 94 that's how you hop in, and when you call in, give us something routine, common that you can't can't do that most people can. I just found out Tom Kelly also can't tie a tie, so uh, we are up to. Uh, excuse me, that was us. Can't tr- change a tire. Tom could tie a tie. I'm assuming, right? He yeah. seemed really insulted that we I know, said he can't tie a tie. I know I, he did. I, I I messed it up because I looked at Tucker and Tucker, um, and and I just recently learned how to tie ties. But yeah, can't. So we have three people around here can't change a tire. I wonder what the number is. If you had, if you had a handicap. WIP as a whole, how many can't change the tire? We know for sure three. Eight and a half. That's a big number. Is that at least six more? Okay, so so let's, um, I think we can name names. So so you'd guess the camera. 100%. Okay. I would say he's more of a lock than anybody. <laughs> I would think so. Who else around here can't, you got to throw some producer under the bus? I mean, who else we got? Who else would like, I'm going to guess I can. I would think I can, Richie can. Yeah, just... Richie just seems smarter than a lot of people. Okay, so I think some of the and not to be insulting, the older hosts and producers can do it because it's it, you had to. I feel like it's a life skill that they would have picked up. I agree with that. So we're talking, we're trending more younger can't. Yeah, like I, I think the morning show and, and Wechter and even Outdoor Seltzer, and I think they're all all good. Yeah, I would say some of our other uh, producers around here, like Dan Wilson, no shot. Yeah, I think the younger producers have no shot. Yeah, you know what? And it might be an age thing. You know, I'm, and the other thing is when I was, um, I don't remember, I think when I first had a, my car, first drove, had a license, I don't remember having AAA, like, just come do it. Like, now you you can do that, right? You just, if you want to, you can just call AAA if you have it, and they'll just come change your tire for you. I don't remember having that, like, when I was 17. Yeah. I mean, AAA is the best, isn't it? Well, that's true. Go yeah, ask Guy Grease. He does their commercials. A little, right? little shout-out for AAA there. Yeah, all right. Eight and a half feels like a big number, but you might be right on that. 215-592-9494. All right, back to the lines in a second. First, I want to play this for you. Josh Allen today, as the Bills were back to work practicing, and they obviously got great news that DeMar Hamlin is, is you know, was at least at some point last night writing to the doctors and awake and able to communicate. 
uh, to the doctors in the hospital. Here's Josh Allen on uh, what they found out was the first thing DeMar Hamlin was thinking when he woke up. His dad said the first thing that he's going to ask when he wakes up is who won the game. <laughs> and sure enough, that's what he did, man. And uh, as teammates, you, you love hearing that response, that the first thing on his mind wasn't, you know, poor me. It was, how are my teammates doing? Did we win this game? And that's powerful in itself, man. And I don't think people really understand the the bond and the relationship and the brotherhood that you have as an NFL team, especially this one here. Guys love each other, and we really do. Um, and for, you know, obviously DeMar to go through that and to come out on the other side and still, again, just thinking about his teammates, that's, that's DeMar. That's who he is, though. Isn't that the most football guy thing of, uh, we've heard all week in this situation? That The first thing that guy thought of when he woke up was, did we win the game? I mean, I, I would imagine at that point he probably didn't even know what he had gone through uh, when he just when he kind of came to and woke up. But that just screams like a football player. Like, hey, did we win? I, obviously, I'm here in the hospital, so something happened to me. But did we win the game? Um, and then there was a uh, – Tucker, then you called it a hallmark moment when the doctors described how they responded to him. Oh, and they said – Yes, you won the game of life. Which, first of all, top five board game all time, the game of life. When was the last time you played that one? March. You remember the month? I remember because I was at my parents' house in March, and I played it with my girlfriend. Okay. All right. I mean, it just, it just was a little weird that you knew the but exact my month. my new thought is, how long do you think those, do- those doctors had it prepared? Like, do you think they thought of it, like, days before? You've had, like, 72 hours to come well, up with Well, I mean, I, I guess because uh, Josh Allen was saying that uh, DeMar's dad was saying that that's what he was going to ask. Maybe he had relayed that to the doctors as well, so they kind of knew that was coming. I, I think they probably had a bunch of answers they workshopped, and that was the best one they thought of. Yeah. You think he—I mean, I'm I'm very happy that he's doing well. You think he had really understood what the heck they were talking about in that moment? Or you think he said, like, no, did, really, did we win the game? Yeah, I'm sure he was very confused. Yeah, I'm sure— I'm sure he was. 215-592-9494. I mean, they're right. I mean, he did he did win at the game of life. To, to be alive right now is uh, is remarkable, and it's it's great. And obviously the doctors that were on the field, the trainers, I mean, they really saved his life to give him the treatment he needed right away to give them a chance to save him in the hospital. And uh, not that this whole thing has a happy ending, because we wish it didn't happen, but the fact that, you know, that he's alive after, you know, I— when that happened on Monday night into Tuesday, I, I didn't know. I mean, I, I I didn't I had no idea. I don't think any of us did if he was even going to make it. And now it seems like he is. And maybe we'll have some sort of a full recovery, which is incredible. Two one five five nine two with ninety four ninety four. Mike is an ex. And hey, Mike. Hi, Joey. How are you? Good, Mike. What are you thinking? Triple A to the ticket when you're over when you are sixty. That's all I'm saying. Triple A. Yeah. Say that again. Triple A, uh, you call them, you get three times a year. And I'm not that I have that many flats, but when I do, hey, I got bad risks, so I'm not dealing with it. But could you do it if you needed to? Yes, I d- I've done it many times. See, I think that's all that matters. I, I'm not I'm not above calling Triple A if you need some help. And, and like you said, they're a great resource. But I feel like it's a, re- it's a skill we should know how to do just in case you need to do it. Well, don't you remember the story of Fritz breaking down on the road and calling his dad? That's pathetic. Yeah, what well, is? I mean, he's—it's not like he's sixteen. He's a grown-up. He's about well, we to have—he's about to have a son, a baby coming up here. We all know he's a loser. But anyway, I got a couple things. I got a great tie story. But number one, this is—I told Tucker my impersonation of Conklin of Ruben Franks. Oh, I, uh, I can't wait for this. 
The, I, now, play with it. It's very good. They have a lot of interceptions. They have a lot. No, no, excuse me. They have a lot of sacks, but where are the turnovers? That's Ruben Franks. Yeah, that sounds Ruben Frankish. I, I hear it, Mike. I like that. Yeah, that's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. I would love to say it will, it will play as we go. But, Joe, here's the tie, so you'll love it. In 91, I worked in Yellowstone National Park for the year, and I, I, I became Western. And um, they ha- have a tie called the bolo. So I brought one home, and now I'm at the point that's all I wear. And what, what's much fun with that is when you go, like I wore it at Christmas and all that stuff, you go places and people are like, ooh, I like that. And then what's that? And, you know, they don't even know what it is. But it's so easy because, you know, ties are, I don't know. I mean, it's not that I need to wear. Like you said, you don't want to wear a tie all the time, and I don't. But uh, I love the bolo, and I wear it like at funerals. <laughs> here comes a bolo. Who cares? I'm looking you at – I just Googled the bolo tie here. Now, do you have one of, like, the ones that are a little more colorful and fun, or you go with, like, the, the kind of the, the, the more bland ones? Joe, I'm very dances with wolves. Okay. I was, out, I was out there and fell in love with the buffalo. How about and that? I'm, 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 Ted Turner, me, and the buffalo – and I have buffalo. I've had to order a couple, but that's all. And you know what, Joe? Seriously, I, I threw away all my ties. I didn't throw them away. I gave them the goodwill. You know what? Good for you, Mike. I, I, I might, um, I might suggest when I get home, I'm gonna get rid of my ties, Mike. I might get a bolo. How about that? Yeah, I love when we find out things about our callers that I wouldn't have guessed in a million years. Like, you know, Mike from Exton. Worked at Yellowstone National Park. Where's Bolo Ties? If you had to pick one caller who you thought wore Bolo Ties, who would it be? It may have been Mike from Exton. It may have been Mike from Exton. Yeah, that, I guess that when you, when you put it that way, it's not the craziest thing. But um, have you ever worn a Bolo Tie? I'm looking at them right I now. I haven't. I remember my grandfather had one for a little while. It just kind of looks like a shoelace. It's very shoelace. But, but it has like, a, like a, a, center, a middle, which is a little bit like a pendant. I want to call it a brooch, but I know it's not a brooch. You know, Miss. I mean, it almost looks like a necklace, like the the middle part, like it would be on the bottom of a necklace that you'd see. And instead, wear. it's up at your collar. Right. It's it's the tie part. It's like the the middle of the tie part. Um, I don't know if I've ever seen anyone wear this, like in real life. I've seen this on movies or TV shows. Yeah, like if you watch Friday Night Lights or anything that takes place in Texas, right? Maybe that, Yellowstone. People watching Yellowstone. Well, now. that's where uh, Mike worked. I've never been to Yellowstone. Have you? Me neither. Well, Kevin Costner hangs out there now. Uh, that's right. Well, I guess if we ever go to Yellowstone, we'll see people hanging out in, uh, in some some bolo ties. Mark's in Egg Harbor. What's up, Mark? Hey, great question. Something you can't do. Mm-hmm. Now, I went to a pretty big high school, and as a freshman, I got picked for the for the baseball team, and my homeroom teacher was the typing coach, and I can't type. I've I've very horrible um, skill level on the on the keyboard, and that was that's that's a shame. So I'm guessing, Mark, you've never had to, right? Like whatever you do for a living, it's just you haven't. It hasn't really ma- mattered. I worked in a casino for 40 years. Okay, so you didn't have to do it. No, but it's still something I regret that I did. That's a skill that I don't have because everybody else has that skill. And I don't have that skill. So let me ask you now, like, um, you're retired now, I'm guessing? Yes. So, like, um, most communication these days is is electronic. Do you, do you text? Do you email? Or you, or you can't? Uh, my son does all that for me, okay. pretty much. I'm, like, somewhat literate, but 
that whole that whole that whole skill just passed me by. I can change a tire. Well, you know what? That's important, and at least you can, because we found out so many of our. Can are you surprised so many of our hosts here can't do it? That surprised me. Are you surprised so many? Well, those guys are great, probably on the computer, on the keyboard. How did I go to? How did I go to school? And my homeroom teacher was he teaches typing, and I never learned that skill. Would you just avoid it, or you, or you just you couldn't grasp? Like, why didn't you learn? I have no idea. I was too busy playing sports. Well, that's it. There you go. You, you had, I mean, you were doing other things. I mean, we all have things we, we kind of focus on. We're yeah, kids. but I really regret not having that skill because, in like like you said, in today's in today's world, you need that skill. What if you took a class, Mark? You can still do it. Not too late. I, no, it's probably not. Mark, what do you think on the Eagles here? You worried? Yes. How come? You're not, right? I'm not. No, I mean, I, look, they're 13-1 and one with Jalen Hurts, and as much as we worry about the defense sometimes, they have 68 sacks this season. I mean, it's still been, and they only gave 13 points this past week. I, I, I met Buddy Ryan when he came off the, when he came off, I was the first guy to meet him when he came off the plane, and uh, when, he peaked, when he picked Keith Byers. Now, I'll tell you what I'm concerned about. Why did they throw the ball inside the 20-yard line on Sunday. Say that again, inside the 20-yard line? Why did they throw the ball inside the 20-yard line? Why did Minshaw throw the ball, and why did and why did Sirianni um, call that play? Oh, the pick six? I, I, I mean, Mark, I don't know. I mean, the one thing I thought about watching that is they missed Jalen Hurts because I don't think Jalen Hurts allows that play to happen that way. That was like, I'm still trying to, I'm still struggling with that. Well, and the worst part was that they had called the same play earlier in the game. You, Lattimore just walked up and knew the play and took it away. There's three things that happen when you when you throw the ball, and especially inside the 20-yard line, and two of them are bad. It's it's going to be incomplete. It's going to be interception, or the other. You know, it's not, it wasn't good. Well, it was terrible. I mean, it was it was the worst possible outcome, right? It was a pick six the other way. It was the worst possible outcome. And and, 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 and that was bad. It was. I mean, it, it effectively, Mark, it ended the game. And Mark, I appreciate the call, man. Um, Effectively, I mean, it ended the game. I mean, that they were at the point when they made the big play to AJ Brown. You know, the, whatever it was, like seventy-yard touchdown play. You felt like they were going to win the game. You're like, all right, they, they screwed around for two hours here, but they'll win. They'll they'll get they'll get one more touchdown or whatever, and, and get this to a victory and clinch here. Um, but that when that pick six happened, it was absolutely the end of the game. And as far as throwing there, I mean, teams are a little bit more liberal now with throwing inside the 20, inside the 10, but usually it's pretty safe kind of stuff. It's a screen pass. It is a, um, it's an out route where there's not a, a lot of congestion. It, it doesn't usually happen that way, but it's just a bad play. Two one five five nine two ninety four nine four. So we got official word here. The bills Bengals game has been canceled. Yeah. Have you seen the other official word? I have not. So the AFC Championship game will be played at a neutral site if the participating teams played an unequal amount of games and both could have been the number one seed. So that's one of three teams. Yeah, so if it's Buffalo and Kansas City or Kansas City and Cincinnati, it would be played at a neutral site. Right, because nobody else was actually in play for the number one seed. Am I correct on that? Right. Correct. The, the Jaguars obviously are not, and the, the wildcard teams were not. So... I wonder where that game... Okay, so we are heading towards bills Bengals will not be played. That's official. And if we get some combination of chiefs bills Bengals in the title game, 
there will not be a home field. And adding in another wrinkle, which I think is a long shot, but they threw it in there because why not cover all your bases? If the Ravens beat the Bengals on Sunday and they are scheduled to meet next week in the wildcard round, that game will be determined by a coin toss. What do you mean that, that game? The, the game location, I should say. Wow. That one feels a little strong. So the Bengals, so potentially the Bengals could lose multiple home games? Yeah, because in theory, so if Baltimore defeats Cincinnati, it would have defeated Cincinnati twice, but would not technically be the division winner. Because they're still behind a half a game. Because they're still half a game behind and have a, a low winning percentage. So if so, all right. If the Ravens beat the Bengals on Sunday, the Bengals could potentially have two of their three playoff games in a neutral site location. Yeah, isn't that bizarre? It, it definitely is. Um, I I get. I mean, look, I isn't. Uh, I think Tyler Huntley's playing this weekend, right? It's, Lamar Jackson has a practice in a month. I believe the Bengals are going to win this game on you Sunday. You see this Howard Eskin tweet? <laughs> no, but you're going to tell us about it. I can't read it. Just go on Twitter and look at it. Is he talking? <laughs> I guess he's having to sleep. Howard tweeted a bunch of Z's. And then is he what asleep? Is- what is the emoji there at the end? It looks like some sort of crane? construction. It's a crane. It's like a crane lifting up some, some sort of pallet. And it's a response to his 35th anniversary show from August of 2021. I mean, what is this? All right. Anyway, I I, I don't know what to make that, but I do. Uh, all right. So we have clarification here on the NFL. I don't mind this. I would have preferred if they went with the number one seed, got to pick home field or not. So you know what it, you know what it tells me? It tells me we're very likely to have an AFC championship game at a neutral site. Yeah, I mean, those are the three teams that you would say are favored to do so. Yeah, I mean, the only way I think this doesn't happen is if the winner of Chargers-Jaguars upsets the um, Chiefs, which I don't think is insane to imagine happening. No, but like you don't believe in the Patriots, Dolphins, or Steelers, or Jets. To win it, no. And you don't think Ravens can, especially with Lamar Jackson out. Yeah, this will. the only way we will not get a neutral site game is, is likely... So this weekend, right, will determine one, two, three still, right? It's going to be going by winning percentage? Yeah, I believe so. So if the, if the Chiefs, Bengals, and Bills all win, it goes Chiefs, Bills, Bengals? Chiefs, Bills, Bengals. Correct. Which means we'd, get, we'd likely get the Bengals and Bills playing again in Buffalo two weeks from now. Yes. I mean, isn't, it, just, it just feels like, whether it be serendipitous or just the way the numbers are, rely with the standings, it just feels like... We are headed towards the Bills and the Bengals playing again. You know, whether it's the title game or it's the division round, it feels like those teams are going to see each other game. And it'll be a very emotional game um, when that happens. All right, that, that's interesting. 215-592-9494. That's how you hop in here. I'm not, I am not worried about this Eagles team. I mean, that has been, that has really been what I've picked up on and noticed and felt this entire week that there's worry out there about this basketball team, uh, this football team right now. And I'm not worried. I'm not worried about an Eagles team that really, you know, and that Dallas game, I, I don't think people walked away worried after that. It's really the Saints game that's got everyone losing their mind. And, and I guess it's the combination of the, of the Saints and the, and the um, Cowboys game back-to-back weeks. But 
I didn't walk away from the Cowboys game worried about them. I thought it was a tough day. Third straight road game. Like I, I expected to lose that game with Gardner Minshew playing quarterback. The Saints game was disappointing, but they gave up 13 points, and they lost because Minshew was terrible. You know, you take Minshew out and you put Hurts back in and you get home field advantage. I, I see this thing exactly where I saw it five, six weeks ago, which is they're the best team in the NFC, and they have the easiest path to the Super Bowl because of home field. It is significant, and they that's all still there in front of them. 215-592-9494. Tell you, hop in. All right, we get back. Shady McCoy, LaShawn McCoy on FS1 talking today about the idea of Jalen Hurts come back, and it sounds like a couple of his old teammates may be giving him some information on how ready Jalen Hurts is. You'll hear from Shady coming up next, and uh, I think we'll pay a little tribute here to a uh, a Titan in the Philadelphia media, who's uh, no longer to be doing what we've been accustomed to doing for a long time. We'll talk about that, what Shady had to say, your phone calls. And when you call in, give us something very common, even I would say routine, that most people could do and you can't. Our last caller told us he can't type. And we're actually finding out more things Tucker can do that we didn't know. Like, you know, what is it, seamstress? Uh, I can sew. You sewer. I can sew like the wind. But we don't even know if that's true anymore. Yeah, we're not sure. We should get a sewing machine. Oh, you actually can use a sewing machine, or are you like the, the, the hand and thimble thing? No, like the sewing machine with the pedal and such. People have those still? I would bet over 50% of homes in America have a sewing machine. I would take the under on that without question. Over 50% of homes in America have a sewing machine? 100. Yeah, I guarantee. <laughs> I don't know one person that has one. You don't know one person with a sewing machine? Well, actually, that's not true. Do your I, we, parents have a sewing machine? We ha- actually have one in my house. But I, I, I don't know. Other than my house, I don't know anyone that has one. 215-592-9494. Shady coming up your phone calls. And, I mean, come on. Nobody has a sewing machine. Sports Radio 94 WIP. Welcome back. Sports Radio 94 WIP. Joe Giglio with you. Tucker Bagley's behind the glass. You guys with us, 215-592-9494. The news that broke tonight, the NFL is going to use a neutral site, a neutral site for the AFC Championship game, if it's a combination of Bengals, Bills, or Chiefs in that game, which I I think it's going to be. I mean, that that feels like the the most likely scenario that two of those three teams will play each other for the right to go to the Super Bowl. So that will be a neutral site game. Uh, I don't think they announced where that would be. Um, Indianapolis was thrown out today, just conjecture as – kind of a, a place that makes sense, a dome, uh, kind of equidistant between the two teams, Chiefs-Bills, but obviously the Bengals are part of this too, and it's, it's actually pretty close to there. So I, if I had a guess, I would say Indianapolis feels right. Yeah, I mean, the three big domes in cent- you know, the, the center of the country are that Minnesota and Dallas, and Minnesota and Dallas will be playing in the postseason. Right, and and Dallas is obviously further away from everybody, right, down to Texas. So, I, yeah, I, I would think it's probably going to be – Indianapolis, they've done, they've done Super Bowls there. Um, combine. Combine. It's an, it's basically an NFL city anyway. So I would think that's where the, the game would be if we get it. Uh, so the NFL did that. And one thing that was thrown out that we talked about earlier, the idea of the eighth playoff team, that's not happening. Good. It would have been ridiculous. And they did put in their release, Roger Goodell put in there, that, that pushing the season back would have affected everybody. And that's what we've been saying for days. Like They had to try to f- find a way to affect the least possible amount of teams. And they did that. So we have that. I'm not worried about the Eagles. I, I think the, the worry and panic this week in, in this city has been way over the top. I, I'm not worried here. 215-592-9494. Let's take a phone call here, and then we'll play Shady and, and talk about 
a big loss to the uh, the Phillies media that we're going to feel this season coming up. Fran is up on WIP. Hey, Fran. Hey, what's up, guys? What's up, Fran? What are you thinking tonight? So, uh, yeah, so I, I, I'm just driving tonight, and I heard you guys say about the update with the um, neutral neutral site, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm looking, right? Bills 12-3, and three, Bengals 11-4. Okay, that's a big game. Okay. Are they scrubbing it? I mean, how do they determine – Without a game played, these were like birth seats. How's it work? So they're gonna they're scrubbing the game. It's it's as if it doesn't happen. So the Bengals and the Bills are only gonna play sixteen games this year, not seventeen. So by the time this weekend ends, they're gonna see it based on winning percentage. So you know if the Chiefs win, they're fourteen and three, which means nobody can catch them, right? The Bills can't get a fourteenth win. So the Chiefs would likely be the one. Well, they will be the one if they win. And then, you know, Bills would be two, Bengals would be three if they all win this weekend. And then the way they're going to try to make it fair is because they can't play it out the right way to, to get an actual number one seed. If they those teams match up in a title game, it would be at a neutral site so nobody has home field. Now, will that be here in America or is it going to be another Germany game? No, I'd imagine it'd be here. I mean, you, I mean, I, <laughs> I, that, now that would be crazy. But I'd imagine they'd want, you know, the fans of those teams to be able to at least try to travel and, and go see that game. How about that? All right, cool. Thanks for clearing it up. You got it, Fran. Appreciate it. Um, yeah, a Germany neutral site game. I'm all in on a neutral site game in, in Europe now. Now, would you uh, kind of twist it so you get it televised at the right time in America, or are you going to make them play in the middle of the night in Germany because it's got to be on for prime time here? Yeah, because normally they like what time locally do they play when we get it at, at nine in the morning? I think they're playing more like in the in the late afternoon or the early evening. So, like, if we try to manipulate it for, like, 3 o'clock... Nighttime. It's late. It, it would be, like, 1 in the morning there. And I think, isn't this year the NFC Championship game first, the 3 o'clock game? And the AFC title game is second this year. Yeah, that sounds right. So that means they'd be playing in the middle of the night in Germany. Probably not ideal. They should have thought this through. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I think they have. I think this is this is a result of them taking things through here. All right, I'm not sure if he thought this through, but on TV, when you talk about sports, you don't ever have to think anyone, anything through. You just say it. Shady McCoy. LaShawn McCoy... On his TV show on FS1, it sounded like he was telling us that he's heard from some of his ex-teammates that Jalen Hurts is indeed playing this weekend. Here's Shady today on FS1. He might have missed the last two games, but he didn't didn't miss the last two practices. So that means he's going to play. The shortest thing's okay. I got some sources, some close sources. Like, close, close. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? When I say close, Joy, close, close. There's only so many guys on the team that were still there with Shady, so. That ain't true. Those are my young boys. When I come in the building, you know what I'm saying? This is oh. me. When I went to the last game, I parked not in the, the, the media lot. Not with the old players. I parked with the players. <laughs> Jalen, nice car, bro. Yeah, what's up? <laughs> you know what I mean? They thought I was playing. Anyway. Unleash Jalen Hurts. It's not unleash. Uh, we need this win to get the number one seed. It's so important to get the number one seed. Imagine coming to Philadelphia around this time in January. It's going to be crazy. And when Jalen Hurts comes to play, he walks through that tunnel, them fans will get crazy. They've been drinking all day, tailgating all night. They're ready for this. That's all we need. So we got to get Jalen Hurts out there, man, and lock up this number one seed. Who, the, who do we think he's talking about? So, so Shady's last year here was 2014. Who on the Eagles was here in 2014? Kelsey? Kelsey, Lane. Fletcher. NBG. It's four. So he, I mean, he's, he's basically, he's revealing his sources a little bit. Yeah, I mean, it's not exactly a, a big group of Well, that's candidates. what one of his co-hosts said there in the show. Like, not, not many guys were there when you were there. It's been a, it's been a while now. LaShawn, 
Yeah, I mean, you're right. It's 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 been it's been eight years since he's been here. So I mean, obviously he's just having fun with it and uh, it's saying the guys are telling him that Jalen Hurts is going to play. And I think he is right. I think he's right that Jalen Hurts is going to play in this game on Sunday. All right, let's talk some Philly stuff here before the show ends. Tom Kelly coming up at ten. Um, one thing we haven't talked much about that I want to get into here in a second because it was officially announced today was the signing of Craig Kimbrell. But the other one is a bigger one, and that is the departure of Jim Salisbury, NBC Sports Philadelphia, from the Phillies beat. Um, you know, he put up an announcement today that he is leaving. He's not going to be covering the team this year for NBC Sports Philadelphia. It's going to be weird. A Philly season and obviously a you know one that's going to come with a ton of excitement and hype and expectation to not have Jim Salisbury uh, covering the team you know, on TV before the games, after the games, you know, writing about the team. I always felt that over the years, because just the way the, the landscape of media goes, um, we've gotten less of Jim as a writer. I think Jim's a really good writer. I, I always enjoyed, like, you know, when he actually wrote something of note or substance, not just, you know, a little bit on the game that night. Like, I, I the, the kind of the features, closer feature stories that he wrote, they're really good. Uh, Jim Salisbury is an excellent writer. I, I think it's a... It, it's, he's going to be missed. I mean, and from every from when I've gotten to to know him a little bit, um, he's a really nice guy. You know, I, I remember during the the Bryce Harper chase, uh, you know, that was one of those where like every night we did the hot stove check ins, and every night there was a new angle or a new spin or a new rumor out there. And I, if I had to guess, maybe eight to ten times that off season, we called Jim like, "Can you hop on? Can you talk?" And, and he did. I think the, I think one of the times. Very impromptu. He came on. Remember the night that um, that Middleton's plane went to Vegas, like out of nowhere, to go talk to Bryce Harper. He came on and told us about what he knew, what what he heard, what he thinks might be happening. Uh, it was awesome. He, he was he was a part of this show, and I am always like you know always always appreciate that. So Jim Salisbury no longer on the Phillies. It's going to be weird, Tucker, without Jim Salisbury covering the Phillies. Yeah, it's going to be weird not seeing him on the, the pre- and post-game show yep. on TV. He's been a big part of Philly's coverage in the city for, what, like 30 years? I mean, growing up, I, I remember reading what Jim yep. Salisbury wrote, seeing him on TV. And I, I'd say he's probably one of the, if he's not top three, like top five beat writers in the city right now, and, and probably number one on, on the Phillies beat. So it, it certainly is going to be weird going into a Philly season without him on the beat. And, and I'm kind of happy for him. Got to go out on top. Got to go out covering the World Series back in November. Yeah, I'm gonna miss it. Uh, so it's been yeah, 26 years he's been covering the Phillies. So he he joined uh, NBC Sports Philadelphia in '09. And before that, it was 12 years at the Inquirer. So that's a long time. I mean, you think about, I mean, you think about Phillies coverage over the years, and you know, all beats change, right? People that cover the Eagles now, um, and some of them last a long time, but it it changes. Uh, but there's not. I don't know if there's. there's probably not anybody uh, around the Phillies that have been covering the team. And we kind of associate with talking or writing about the Phillies for that long. I mean, Scott Lauber, you know, he, but he left for a while. Scott's a friend of the show, but he was here. He was part of covering the team for a while. And then he left to go to Boston and all that. And then he came back. I mean, there's, I don't think there's anybody close. Uh, you know, Matt Gell has been on the beat for a decent amount of time. Todd Zalecki's probably second, but 26 years. That's, I mean, think about the 20, what were the Phillies 26 years ago? That was, 20, I'm 27, so that's 96. I'm talking about like early Scott Rowland. That's like Scott Rowland, I think, was 96 Rookie of the Year. Well, just here, we, this is a good way to frame it. Scott Rowland is probably going to be inducted into the Hall of Fame in two weeks. Jim Salisbury's first year covering the Phillies was Scott Rowland like, around the time he won Rookie of the Year. That's a long time. That's a very long time. 
Yeah, and he's seen. I mean, he's obviously covered some of the the best moments too. I mean, the the, the run they had, the World Series, back to the World Series this past year. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's and and the way he framed his messages, it was his decision. So, congratulations. It's it's a weird way to say it because I I don't know how this all played out, but I'll miss him. I'll miss Jim's coverage. Always enjoyed it. And I hope he can enjoy whatever he has coming up next. And one of those things that he won't be covering this year, we will be talking about, is Craig Kimbrell. Phillies officially introduced Craig Kimbrell today. I think we mentioned it. When did, when did this happen? Like right before Christmas, I think it was, they signed him? Kind of December ran- 23rd. Right. So like randomly right before Christmas, they signed him. One year, $10 million. It's not a you know, like franchise-changing signing. It's not like they gave three or four years. I mean, it, it's weird to say because he's not that guy anymore, but we're talking about one of the great relievers in baseball history. I mean, the guy's got 394 saves. He has been, at times, you could probably say he had a stretch where he was the best relief pitcher in baseball. You know, you go back to when he first broke in the league. I think, when did he get in the league? 10, 11, 12 from there? Uh, 10, he pitched 21 games. 2011 was his first full season. Yeah, okay. So it's been, as with, obviously with those Braves teams. So he's been in the league over a decade now. I, I could say for a stretch, he was the best relief pitcher in baseball. Finished top 10 in Cy Young four years in a row. Yeah, he was incredible. Um, and, and at the time he broke in and, and he started his his dominance, he was like the strikeout guy. Him and Aroldis Chapman, right? They were the only ones striking out batters at the rate that he struck them out. Now, you know, you see a bunch of relievers that could do similar to what he did, which is, you know, 14, 15 strikeouts per nine innings for his career. His, his career strikeout per nine is 14-4. I, I wonder if anyone with – I wonder if anyone's that high. I mean, he, you have to kind of take the innings down because obviously he's only pitched 688 innings in his career. He doesn't have enough to qualify for a lot of uh, leaderboards. But I wonder if anyone has a higher strikeout. Maybe Chapman is the only guy that has a higher strikeout right in the history of baseball. He's been dominant. I mean, Tucker said he led the league in, in saves four years in a row. Cy Young votes four years in a row. He has – one, two, three, four, five. It's at least five um, years with Cy Young votes in his career. So he's been outstanding. Now, he's not the guy he used to be. That I think that's pretty evident. You look at his last couple years. I mean, he his, so he was he started off well with the Cubs in 2021. So, so his last great full year was, I would say, his last great full year top to bottom, like without a, a disastrous second half was actually 2018 when under Dave Dabrowski's Red Sox, they won the World Series. Next year, he goes to the Cubs, 6-5-3 ERA. Next year, he goes to the – it was the Cubs again, 5-2-8 ERA. Then he had a resurgent start to the 2021 season with the Cubs, and I believe there were some rumors the Phillies were interested in him at the deadline in 2021. Ultimately, he gets traded to the White Sox. Disaster of a second half with the White Sox, 5-0-9 ERA after having a .49 ERA in the first half with the Cubs. And then last year, back to the Dodgers, and I would say he kind of settled back in a, you know, he was okay. He had a, a 3.75 ERA last year. He, so he's not that guy he used to be. Can he still be effective? Can can he be this year's version of what they hoped that Corey Knebel was last year? I think he can be. I think he's a really high-profile, big-name addition to the back end of the bullpen. Now, here's what I find interesting about the um, – the little Zoom conference they had today with, with Craig Kimbrell. And I saw Matt Gelb, the Athletic, wrote about the signing. It seems like everyone is in agreement he's not the closer. Like, he didn't sign here to be the closer. They didn't promise him he's going to be the closer. The, the Phillies are going to try to pick up where they left off last year, which was 
We didn't know who was going to close the game every night. And that worked. And I thought Rob Thompson, for the most part, and you know we know what happened in, um, in Game 6 in Houston, but for the most part, he did a really good job, I thought, last year of mixing and matching, playing the matchups. He didn't name a closer. Everyone dealt with it. It was fine. And it worked. And it seems like they're all in agreement that Kimbrell's going to add to that mix, right? Kind of a ver- uh, hopefully a higher-end version of what Knable or David Robertson was last year. He'll be that this year. But if you read some of the quotes from Craig Kimbrell today, it's pretty clear to me his heart, like maybe his mind, is, is he knows he's not the closer. He still wants to close games. So he's six uh, saves away from 400. And he mentioned his dream is to throw the last pitch of a World Series. It's kind of interesting where he, obviously he signed here knowing what his role is going to be. But deep down, I think he still wants to close. And if you look at the Phillies last year, they had, I don't know about, 11 different guys record a save. Yeah, it was a lot. I wonder if, I wonder if, how many can I name? You have it in front of you? Yeah, I do. All right. So, Sir so Anthony. Who do you think led the team in saves? Was it Knable? Yeah, he had 12. The leader on the team had 12 last year. Okay. So, uh, Knable? Yes. Sir Anthony? Yes, he was two. Eflin? Yes, he had one. Um, Alvarado? He had two. Bellotti? Also two. Brogdon. Also two. So I only have six here. Yeah, so three guys with one. Robertson. Robertson had six. He was third on the team. I wouldn't have guessed he had that many. He had six. Wow. So there's one guy with five and three guys with one. Who am I forgetting? The one guy with five had a really good year, and I don't think anyone will ever talk about it. Was he a, a, a major part of the, the postseason? No. Okay. That's why, I'm, that's why I'm not thinking about it. I mean, he was, but not in a positive way. Not in a positive way in the... Oh, bread hand. Yep. Okay. So what do we have? What am I up to seven now? I got seven of them? You have uh, eight. Eight. You're missing the last three. Now, were the, were the last three um, here to the end, or are they more the beginning of the season? So one of them led the Phillies in relief innings this year. Okay. Led the Phillies in relief innings? Nick Nelson. Yes. I, I, I recently stumbled upon their 2020. It's 68 innings. I know. It, that might be the trivia question about the 2020. Like, when we go back and look at a team that made the World Series and you ask that question, <clears throat> excuse me, no one will get that. That is a, that's a d- deep dive. All right. Deep cut. So Nick Nelson is, uh, I don't know if I'm going to get the other two. So one of them is probably more known for his work as a spot starter. Especially in September. Christopher Sanchez. Yes. So how many have left? Three Just or... one. Just one. Oh, now I feel like i got to get this. Like, all the nights we were here, I had, I had to be on final out when they saved this dumb game. I might have texted you about this guy yesterday. Why? Because he got DFA'd. Francisco Morales. Yes. Wow. So anyway, the point you were making, they had 12 guys that have saved games last year. A lot of guys save games is the point you're making? Yeah, I mean, they had 42 saves last year. And if you look at how they did in the postseason, I think they had like four guys record a save in the postseason between Robertson, Alvarado, Sir Anthony, and uh, what's his name, Eflin? Right. They have, they, they have opportunities to save games. And I think he kind of fills in as that Knable, Eflin, right-hander who kind of slots in behind Sir Anthony. I think there's going to be plenty of opportunities for him 
to save games as they if they keep this committee approach. Yeah, I mean, I would, and, and let's also not forget here as we talk through this. Sir Anthony Dominguez had an outrageous year, but do, are we just going to forget all the injury history he's had? I mean, it, it, I, I hope it doesn't happen, but there's a chance. Sir, and Sir Anthony did get hurt last year, right? He had, he had the the dead arm or his velocity went down. There's a chance Sir Anthony gets hurt again. I mean, if you had to guess, I would say there's a, a 40% chance Craig Kimbrell leads the team in saves next season. Because the other guy who you kind of project to be that is Jose Alvarado, and what are the odds he just turns back into a pumpkin? Well, that's and possible. And he's in the best reliever in baseball over a four-month stretch. And also, think about how they used him last year. They they waited for the pocket of the lineup that lefties are, right, the, the, the biggest lefty on their team. So let's say they're playing the Braves, and it's Matt Olson, or they're playing, you know, whoever, right? whoever we're talking about. And that pocket comes up in the seventh inning or eighth inning. He's not closing the game. I and mean, then, you know, Topper has already shown that. I don't. I I buy it. I buy that they signed Craig Kimbrell to be part of the mix, not to be the closer. But you think about last year. You think about what they have. You think about Kimbrell still wanting to close. I mean, deep down, he thinks he's a closer. I I think he'll get a, a bunch of save opportunities. He'll, he'll, here's one thing we can guarantee: Craig Kimbrell will have six saves next year. He's going to get. They're going to get him to 400. I mean, they'll do that. I mean, on, those are David Robertson numbers. Yeah, they'll do that on purpose just to make sure he gets there. I don't. I don't hate the signing. I mean, I think we just have to acknowledge he's not the guy he used to be. I mean, he's just not. Yeah, I mean, he's not going to compete for Cy Young votes. I don't think he'll be an all-star, but you look at what he did for the Dodgers last year. The Phillies could use a guy like that, right? Like, they, they could use a guy who could post an ERA in the mid-threes and has experience closing games. And when you get to the postseason, think about how short the bullpen got in the postseason because they didn't trust guys like Nick Nelson or Andrew Bellotti in big situations. Craig Kimbrell has been there. He has done that. I think he's someone who can go out and get big outs in a postseason matchup. The other thing I think is worth noting <clears throat> with a team that has some guys like Sir Anthony who have an injury injury issues in the past. Look at his games pitched over the years and his innings. Like I, I, I mean, how good is Craig Kimbrell at this point? I don't know yet. We'll find out when we get to April. But look at Craig Craig Kimbrell's games. You can use games finished, just games appeared in. So if you go from 2011 to now, 79, 63, 68. 63, 61, 57, 67, 63, 23 in, in 19th. That was one year he did not stay healthy. Take out the pandemic season, and then we're back to 63, 63. I mean, the guy basically averages 63 or so, I don't know, appearances a year for for the better part of a decade. That's a lot. Yeah, I mean, he's been one of the most durable relievers, and unfortunately in the Phillies' history – Adding these guys doesn't usually work out. Well, like Robertson. Like Robertson. Remember when they added Mike Adams? Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, sometimes they're cooked by the time they get here, right? They they, they have so many miles on their arm, and they're all they're all used up. But that, that being said, last year, he did throw 60 innings, 63 games, and he, was, he wasn't great. The Dodgers obviously you know moved on from him as a closer, but he was useful. He was useful enough for the Dodgers. So I do not, like, look, I'm not running out and get a Craig Kimbrell T-shirt. But I also could see this working out. I, I I could see him helping them. I almost think it'd be better if we just he didn't put his name on the back of the jersey. Like we forgot who he was and just look at him as a 35 year old reliever who still throws hard, still gets righties out. Like can he just be a less annoying version of of um, Corey Canable? I'll take that. I'd be in for that. A, a less steal your money version of David Robertson. I'm in. Like that. That's probably what they signed here. It just comes with the reputation of. 
he was one of the best relievers we've ever seen back in his day. You want to hear a wild stat as I look at the Phillies bullpen him last year? Yes. You know James Nordwood, him of an 8.31 ERA, had a higher K per nine than Sir Anthony Dominguez? I think that's why they kept they kept rolling Norwood out there. They like they thought that he could turn it around. What, what was it, like, 13? Uh, it was 11.6. But he, his walks per nine were 6.2. Mm, see, that's going to do it. Was he the, was he the one that uh, threw gasoline on the fire in that Mets game? Was he part of that? I, I would bet. The Mets comeback? Remember that one in early May? I try to forget those games against the Mets in early May, but I wouldn't be shocked if he were a part of that because Weren't they up he like, was terrible. They were up 8-2. 7-1. Remember that game? It was like the first week of May. Here on a th- maybe a Thursday night. They- yes, I found it. He uh, They lost 8-7. They were up 7-1 going into the, the eighth inning. Or the ninth. Yeah, he pitched a one-third of an inning. Allowed four hits, four runs, all earned. And his ERA that night jumped from 5.4 to 10.29. You think after, now that I'm not going to be doing leading off uh, and final out, you think all those games for the years, like the bad losses, are imprinted in my brain and will never leave? I have this fear that I'm going to wake up one day, like 10 years from now, and I'll remember the Mets and the, and the Phillies from early May of 2022. I'll remember the Cubs, the Jason Hayward walk-off off of Adam Morgan in June of 2018. I feel like it's some weird Phillies final out post-traumatic stress disorder that I will live with for the rest of my life for the last five years. Do you know who got the win in that game? Um, the Mets reliever that got the win? Yes. Ah, uh, you tell me. Tommy Hunter. Adonis Medina. The former Philly prospect. The former Philly prospect. You th- is there anyone I could talk to about this, or you think this is I'm gonna have something I'm gonna have to deal with on my own? That I, I'm gonna remember these games for the rest of my life. Yeah, I, I don't think a therapist would get it. Like, do they have sports therapists out there? But they do, but that's more for like players that like can't concentrate. Yeah, I, I, like you need a fan therapist, yeah, right? Because if you went to a therapist and said, I'm having issues forgetting about the Phillies blowing a seven run lead to the Mets in May of 2022, they would they would be very confused. Yeah, they would. That's me, though. All right, TK next. You guys have a good night. We'll talk tomorrow at Sports Radio 94 WIP.